Welcome to the Garden Wise Show with Colorado's most knowledgeable and entertaining garden experts, the Garden Wise Guys, Keith Funk and Jim Borland. Get ready for gardening tips that you can use right now. New plants, hot products, and the latest from horticultural science. The lines are open, so call into the Legend Studio now. 303-477-2473. 303-477-2473. On the air since 1994, the Garden Wise Guys have the answers to your questions about gardening in the high-altitude desert of the Colorado Front Range. And now, here are your hosts, the Garden Wise Guys. And welcome back to the Garden Wise Guys with on the Garden Wise Show here on Legends 810. Before we go any further, I should tell people there are things to celebrate today. Uh, in this year, 1919, a fellow by the name of Charles Streit filed a patent for a pop-up toaster. Cool. Up until then, you had to pop up your own toast. Whoa. Or, or, or toast it over a fire. You've done that? That's kind of fun. I haven't. Yeah. No. yeah. It's a completely different tasting animal once you're done that. I would think so over yeah. a fire. It's pretty cool. Okay. You can do it over the, your your gas stove, too. You know. I don't have a gas stove. Oh. You have one outside. That's true. Then it would taste like steak. Steak <laughs> toast. <laughs> a little strip of bacon on it. That'd be good. There you go. All right. Well, let's see. Let's get out to the phones. We've got people waiting to talk to us, starting with Amy in Lakewood. Good morning, Amy. Good morning. Um, I planted two new fruit trees, a couple of lilacs, and some sand cherries last year. And they got through the winter and these crazy freezes, and they look really good. But I'd like to know your recommendations for fertilizing them. What was the first one you mentioned? I missed that. Uh, fruit trees. Oh, just tree, fruit trees? Okay. A pear tree. Some lilacs and some sand cherries. I, you, go ahead. I, I see sand cherries in uh, in uh, in highway medians all over the place, and I'll guarantee you to you that none of them have ever been fertilized, and they look great. Okay. Same thing with the uh, with the second one you mentioned. The lilacs. <laughs> God, my mind is shot today. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's the all lilacs. That heavy drinking. I've I've never fertilized our lilacs. No. Never. They look great. Now, the only the only reason I can think of to fertilize any, well, aside, let's set the fruit trees aside. The only reason I can think of to fertilize <coughs> the other things is to get them to grow faster. Yeah. Right. It doesn't, it, the fertilizer isn't going to really be uh, something that makes them healthier. It's just going to be that it, they'll grow faster. And if that's important to you, then I would get a general purpose tree and shrub food. Fertilone makes one. It's called tree and shrub food. Okay. Uh, and uh, and you just sprinkle it on the ground and water it in, and you can use that about once a month. Uh, I'd stop. I'd make your last application in July, and 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 call that good for the year. Okay, great. And uh, the fruit trees, you know, people, you really want fruit trees to perform at their best potential. You know, give you the best crop of fruit you can possibly get, and so there I see, feel like fertilizer is appropriate. <clears throat> And, and there are fruit tree fertilizers out there, but I, I don't know. What do you think, Jim? Do, I, just a regular tree and shrub food? I, I would think so, yep. yeah. <clears throat> I think all they really need is a little extra dose of nitrogen, mm -hmm. and I'd probably give that sometime in the spring or late summer and call it good. You don't, you don't want to give them a whole lot of nitrogen because they're going to put a lot of, <clears throat> lot of foliage growth on it and not 
what you really need or want to have are flower buds to form. Right. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I'm trying to think what they fertilize with on the West Slope with all the fruit orchards they have out there. Oh, they probably do soil tests and have their own custom yeah, they, blends Yeah, they probably made. do. <clears throat> and they test to see what the soil is not providing. And then they provide that and only that. And if you're in a clay soil, which many of us are here in, in the Denver metro area at least, it's packed full of all kinds of oh, yeah. minerals and nutrients. And about the only thing that we're missing is nitrogen. Nitrogen and maybe some iron, if that plant requires a little extra iron, mm-hmm. just because of what it is. That's it. Okay, thank you. You bet. Good You're welcome. Know. Thanks for calling this morning, Amy. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Yeah, and once again, you got to be careful about what you read, because I still see it. People talk or, uh, talk about plant growth and soils and stuff here in the West, and they talk about them being just you know terrible for growing plants especially the, the uh, clay soils. And so you got to boost them with lots of compost, lots of organic matter, lots of fertilizer. No, Mm-mm. our soils are really very rich, except for one item, and that's nitrogen. Maybe well, some iron. And it, it's missing a little oxygen in there, too. Well, that's the <laughs> other thing. That's why we started adding compost and organic matter. Not so much because of the compost and the organic matter, but it helps loosen up the soil and get oxygen into there. And that's what roots really like to have. Mm-hmm. So uh, they're finding with more and more research going on that, yeah, you can mix in some compost. I usually recommend to people about 20% compost and 80% your native soil. I don't care how bad you think it is. You need to have at least 80% your native <coughs> soil in there simply because you can't, you can't dig a big enough hole to accommodate the eventual root system of that tree or shrub. No. You simply happen. can't, which means <clears throat> that plant is going to have to get used to your soil eventually, so why postpone it by making a really, really nice planting hole where all the roots grow round and round in circles and never go out into your, good so- your native soil? So don't overdo the planting hole. That's my, that's my recommendation. Yeah. It, it works. I do it all the time. Now, I will add organic matter to the soil. If I'm amending the entire bed, and the operative word here is bed. Like not, your vegetable garden. hole. Right. Yeah, hole in the ground. Yeah, exactly. So the, the best thing you can do is just put a shovel in the ground and loosen up the soil. And that's, not, that's easier well, said than yeah. done sometimes. <clears throat> yeah. I've done that in, our, in certainly my soil, which, by the way, doesn't have any clay. That's right. You did, a, yeah. you did a... Yeah, do, you can do you can do these little soil a tests water yourself. in the jar test, yeah. right? Yeah, you can just look online and look for home soil test. And I don't mean looking for the nutrients in the soil. I'm talking about uh, what kind of soil do you have? Is it clay? If so, how much clay? Mm-hmm. Is it sandy? How much sand? And you can do this at home. It's a very simple thing to do. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there there are areas, especially out in the Aurora, that are very sandy. Oh yeah, and <clears throat> and while that makes it very easy to dig a hole. It's, <laughs> I'd rather have clay. <laughs> clay you can amend. You can do the sand, too. It's a little more difficult. Well, clay holds water. Yeah. Sand doesn't. Clay holds nutrients. Sand doesn't. So it makes it much more difficult, I think, to garden on sand versus clay. And if you live along Cherry Creek, um, there's a lot of sand there, too. Mm-hmm. Even mm-hmm. as you get into little, little in top of hills, once you get through the, what I think is probably a clay layer, there's sand underneath that. Mm-hmm. 
And that's, you know, ancient sand. It's been there millennia. Mm-hmm. And it came down from northern, well, I think it was around the Longmont area coming down. We came down Wadsworth, and uh, boy, there's a lot of flat land in there. Good Lord, there's a lot of flat land. A lot of holes in the ground where they're digging what? Sand. Mm-hmm. Almost everywhere you dig, it's sand. And that just tells you it used to be a floodplain. And in some years it is. It still is. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. All right. Um, let's get out to the phones again. Alfred is waiting to talk to us Good out in Denver. Good morning, Alfred. Morning, guys. What's going on today? Uh, yes. Uh, when you're applying a grub treatment to the lawn, is it okay to, uh, can you put down fertilizer at the same time? Yes. The most important part is to make sure you water it all in. Another question on fertilizer. Richlon uh, Pro-Rich makes a winterizer, <coughs> and, of course, the, the regular Pro-Rich. Uh, can the winterizer be used during the spring? Yes. You could use it in the summer, too, but we advise people do not show the bag to your grass. Oh. It's going to read that it says winterizer on it, and then probably will, I don't know, won't like it. <laughs> okay. But if you don't show them, you do all your mixing in the garage and then take your spreader out. It won't know. Yeah. If the grass look, is not that smart. If you look at the bags and, and compare the fertilizer analysis, they're, they're very close. Um, it, it's not going to make any difference. Okay. That's, uh, that's good to know. Okay. 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 Well, uh, thanks a lot for your help. You're very welcome. Thanks for calling this morning. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. <coughs> I... For years, I've always sort of questioned fertilizer analysis and different brands and that sort of thing. And I have to, I'm always asking myself, how much of this is real and how much of this is marketing? And I've come to the conclusion that the majority of it is marketing. It's marketing, yeah. The bigger companies, they spend a lot of money on marketing. They'd like you to buy a different fertilizer yep. for every plant in your yard. Yeah, and thus you can go into even a garden center or any place and you'll see lots of bags that say tomato fertilizer or hydrangea fertilizer or in hydrangea it could make a little difference. But um, you'll see names of plants on the bag and then fertilizer behind it. And plant doesn't know that. Or if you're worried, just put a piece of tape over that yeah, part yeah, of the bag. Yeah, yeah so <laughs> before you even bring it home. Uh-huh. Takes, put some tape over that. But my plants aren't that smart. Mine aren't either. I mean, I use a, <clears throat> I use a triple 20, or really anything that I can find that is going to be a slow release, where all three numbers are fairly close together. And to be honest with you, I don't even really need that much phosphorus and potassium. No. I, the, the first number, the nitrogen, to me is the most <clears throat> important part. Whether it's from my lawn or my trees or my shrubs. I don't even fertilize my trees and shrubs. No. I fertilize my perennial beds, my vegetable garden. That's about it. And and all of my container plants. All the container plants, yes. Because yeah. there ain't nothing in that soil. No, and you're watering it so frequently <laughs> that anything that was there is gone. is gone out the bottom drainage hole. So those those poor plants in containers are really dependent on you, like a small child, for every bit of nutrition that goes into that pot. And uh, is that inappropriate, calling it nutrition? It... <clears throat> <laughs> It depends. I, I try to break myself. From, yeah, a bit. I, I try to break myself from, from saying that, but you know, minerals and uh, that's probably a better word to use. Yeah. 
because nutrition you say nutrition you and i need nutrition mm-hmm. and plants need some people say nutrition entirely two different subjects they need nutrients same thing same thing yeah oh, okay nutrients contain energy within them oh. fertilizer <clears throat> minerals do not the plant puts the energy in that's right the, the plants the make energy out of it yeah There's two different things going on entirely and there is sh- and, and i've gotten confirmation from sean he's shaking his head thank you sean <laughs> <laughs> science oh my god well that was our leading to the show said we were science-based yes we are and we, we try to age, be in this day and age that's that's a tough road to hoe i want to tell you <laughs> isn't that the truth <laughs> oh man but no i don't i don't pay much attention to <clears throat> what the bag says it's for i look at the i look at the fertilizer analysis on the bag and see what it contains yeah. uh, especially the nitrogen <laughs> i want most of it to be slow release don't mind to have a little bit fast release but mostly slow release and and go from there there was a question on one of the facebook postings a couple of days ago and i don't remember what t- plant they were talking about but the question was what's the best fertilizer for and here you can plug in any plant name you want mm-hmm you should have seen the answers. Everybody, I, everybody had a different answer. I'm sure. And it, it, it ranged from typical fertilizers you buy in the big box store to all kinds of stuff that people were using, including Epsom salts. Yes, I figured that was going to be there. <laughs> okay. And I bet there was gypsum in there, too, I, somewhere. And I'm thinking, no, I'm just going to move right on by. I'm not even going to try. No. It's a, it's a losing battle. It is. So. It really is. And people don't want to hear that plants <clears throat> don't care where their fertilizer comes from. Like we said before, plants are not smart. They don't care. It all gets bo- broken down into, into the, ions and, when you come the, right down the to component, it. Yeah, the individual components. And you can get those ions from a thousand different sources. Mm-hmm. There's not one that's better than another. Now, that that doesn't mean that you shouldn't take into consideration the flora and fauna of the soil because that is important to the to plant growth and so you don't want to be putting down such heavy doses of fertilizer that you're damaging the soil the soil microbes but that's not i mean if you're doing that you're you're also damaging the plants i know <clears throat> one of the postings said don't use what do you use synthetic or some other one for you know, the old standby fertilizer, because it kills the soil. Yeah, yeah, I love that one. And I'm thinking, there are hundreds of thousands of acres <laughs> of cropland in this country that use nothing but the old synthetic fertilizers. Right. And they c- produce a crop year after year after year after year. And the soil's not dead. <sighs> what people will choose to believe. Well, and the other one is, don't... Don't over-apply the nitrogen. <clears throat> well, doesn't that kind of a, isn't that kind of a good thing to say about anything? Don't over-apply say, the water. Yeah, don't don't <laughs> over-apply the phosphorus. Don't over-apply anything. Yeah, don't over-fill in the blank, ever. <laughs> Follow the directions. <laughs> really. Okay. Okay, we now, have to, now we have to take a break and get off our um, high horse Our little here. soapbox. Yeah, that one too. And we'll be back after uh, a short message, and we're going to go out and talk with Sharon, Susan, and Pat are right here on Legends 810.
What's your lawn good for? After all that watering and maintenance, is your lawn supposed to be admired like some ancient statue in a museum? No! It's supposed to be enjoyed. It's for you, your kids, grandkids, pets, and friends. You should spend warm summer evenings leisurely eating dinner, afternoons watching kids and animals run back and forth. It's a place to have water balloon fights or touch football games. But your grass can't take that kind of pounding. Soon you see dry patches that turn into dirt and mud. You need a lawn that has been engineered to withstand lots of traffic and still thrive in our Colorado climate. You need Colorado's own Turf Mix. It's a well-balanced blend of award-winning grasses that grow in sun or moving shade and tolerate heavy foot traffic. The aggressive root system creates a dense, thick, wear-resistant turf, perfect for outdoor adventures. Plus, it's insect, disease, and drought-resistant. Colorado's own Turf Mix is available at your favorite local independent garden retailer. Happy May from Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden on West Bulls Avenue. You will find trees and shrubs, annuals, perennials, herbs, veggies, hanging baskets, and lots of garden decor at Jared's. Of course, you will need to keep an eye on what Mother Nature is doing and be prepared to either cover or bring tender plant material inside if we have some cold nights. In addition to plants, Jared's has a great gift shop with unique items. Shouldn't be hard to find something that will make anyone on your gift list smile. Koi fish and water plants have also arrived. Most of their trees and shrubs are now in stock, and this is a great time to add trees and shrubs to your landscape. Their knowledgeable staff will assist you in selecting the right plants for your conditions. Jared's Nursery Gift and Garden is located at 10500 West Bulls Avenue, between Kipling and Sims. Spring hours are 9 to 6, Monday through Friday, and 9 to 5 on weekends. They hope to see you soon. Ah, spring planting time is finally here and Nick's Garden Center is ready with an unbelievable selection of top quality plant material and garden accessories. Whether it's a new landscape project you're starting or just sprucing up the yard, Nick's Garden Center is a must-see. Our 10-acre garden center and landscape center is filled with trees, shrubs, perennials, annuals, herbs, roses, hanging baskets, soils, mulches, statues, fountains, pottery, garden decor, pavers, sod and water garden supplies we at nick's garden center will help you create the beautiful outdoor living environment you've dreamed of our friendly and knowledgeable staff is always ready to assist you for all your landscaping and gardening needs visit nick's garden center celebrating our 34th year located two blocks north of iliff on chambers road in aurora and also visit us at nicksgardencenter.com into the fix-it show with your questions about your home saturday morning at 9 30 specializing in heating and cooling problems legendary hosts deborah and adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live interactive fix-it show helping your home weather colorado's unique climate and temperature swings you have questions they have answers call into the fix-it show every saturday morning from 9 30 to 10 30 on legends
Ah, spring planting time is finally here and Nick's Garden Center is ready with an unbelievable selection of top quality plant material and garden accessories. Whether it's a new landscape project you're starting or just sprucing up the yard, Nick's Garden Center is a must-see. Our 10-acre garden center and landscape center is filled with trees, shrubs, perennials, annuals, herbs, roses, hanging baskets, soils, mulches, statues, fountains, pottery, garden decor, pavers, sod and water garden supplies we at nick's garden center will help you create the beautiful outdoor living environment you've dreamed of our friendly and knowledgeable staff is always ready to assist you for all your landscaping and gardening needs visit nick's garden center celebrating our 34th year located two blocks north of iliff on chambers road in aurora and also visit us at nicksgardencenter.com All right, the man pointed to me. That means we are ready to get back on the air here on Legends 810. Right now, we're going to go out and take some phone calls. Yeah, let's start with Pat out in Aurora. She has some questions about some lawn questions. Good morning, Pat. Good morning. What's I going on? I got some of the information from the last caller about fertilizers. Yeah, okay. But uh, I want to have my lawn aerated. Now, do I fertilize it uh, before or after get it aerated? I do it before. I'm sorry, after. Oh, after you get yeah. Oh, okay. What we're hoping for is that some of the fertilizer you put down in granular form is oh. going to fall down in those holes. Oh, okay. Well, that's a good thought. Yeah. Okay. And um, is it too early to start spraying for these Japanese beetles? Spraying? I, mean, I like the rose buds and all. Yeah, uh, it's, a, yeah it's a bit it, early. It's a bit early, yeah. I'd wait until you see your first Japanese beetle. Oh, okay. Yeah, let that be your cue. Okay, I haven't seen them yet, so... I think they're going to be late this year. As, as, as long as it's taking the soil to warm up, it's going to take them a little bit longer to come out. Oh, and I've already fertilized for the, or not fertilized, put for the grubs. Oh, yeah, put yeah. down the grub killer? Mm-hmm. Good. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, the, the spring is a good time for that. And then again in late summer, early fall. Oh, again, okay. Yeah, because that's, that's after they've laid their eggs. And they've hatched out in you know, August, and they're starting to feed on the grass roots. So late late August, early September is a good time to put down another application of grub killer. Okay. All right. I think I think that was all I had to ask you then. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Commit. Thanks for calling. Uh-huh. Thank goodness we're not dealing with, <clears throat> with cicadas in this neck of the woods. <laughs> as apparently there are some places back east. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's serious business. Oh, my goodness. And I'll, I'll never forget when I was a young child. I don't think I was even a teenager yet. We went out and picnic in a local park, lots of trees and such. There were, and I'm not exaggerating, billions of them. Yeah. Completely covering the ground. Oh, my gosh. And you could smell them. Really? <laughs> yes. There was a smell associated with them. And, of course, deafening sound in your ear. Oh, yeah. Millions of them just, you know, doing their thing. And we hear them every now and again. I hear them in my yard in the summer. Mm-hmm. And it kind of brings back, you know, memories of when I was a kid when there were a lot more around. But that was one of those cyclical <clears throat> things of cicada. And I don't know what year. There was a 17-year, 25-year cicada, whatever. But there's many species, apparently. There are, yeah. I, re- <laughs> I remember from, a, from, a, from my childhood in Kansas. I don't remember the really heavy ones like you talked mm-hmm. about, heavy years like that. But I do remember... 
finding the dead skins on the trunks of trees. Yeah, that's kind of cool. The empty shells. <clears throat> Kids like and, that. And I like I like the sound of them, you know, in moderation. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Three or four at a time is fine. <clears throat> Seven or eight thousand of them at a time, not so much. Yeah, but multiply that up until you get to the millions. It's yeah. just it's just unbelievable. I'll never forget that. <laughs> the ground is probably still littered, and that's been sixty years ago. <laughs> God, it had to have been just moving. <clears throat> just well, I, I, well, a lot of them were dead. That's why they were on the ground. Oh, the okay. other ones are up in the tree trying to do their thing. Oh, so it wasn't the immature stage that was coming up out of the. Oh ground. no, no, these are the mature ones. Of oh, course, okay. the trees are just covered in those, this, in those carcasses. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> God. I don't think we stayed there very long. I can't imagine. Just, there was no place to go that you could avoid them. Just no place. I'm, I have to laugh every time I think about that. All right. People don't believe me, but No, I, I completely believe you. I've seen it on television. Uh, we had one other occurrence of lots of things. Uh, wife and I were driving in Utah once. We looked in the road ahead of us, and the road's moving. Oh, yeah? The road is moving. What's going on? We have an earthquake here? <laughs> so we got in, a, and they were Mormon crickets oh. by the billions coming across the road. That kind of makes it a little <clears throat> slippery, doesn't it? Woo! Unbelievable. I didn't think there, there were that many insects in the world. But there was all, just all morning crickets on migration, wherever they're going. I don't know where they're coming from. I don't know. But the road was moving. Ugh, that sounds creepy. <laughs> well, let's get back out to the phones. Okay. We've got Sharon out in Parker waiting to talk to us about fertilizing her new yard. Good morning, Sharon. Good morning, guys. How are you? Excellent. What's going on? Well, I hydro-seeded... Uh, large portion of my yard four weeks ago mm -hmm. and it's just now starting to come up the um, recommendation <clears throat> is for a good fertilizer with the first number 25 to 35 um, and I wondered if you had an opinion about what would be considered a good fertilizer to put on this baby grass that's coming up well, this is one of those instances where the nitrogen needs to be almost all slow release. Cause yeah. Those, that baby grass is very easy to burn okay. if there's a lot of fast release nitrogen. Okay. So, having said that, my first thought is to go with uh, the Fertilone Lawn Food Plus Iron. Okay. Fertilone Lawn Food. Okay. Um. And I think I would make a light application. I'm not yeah. sure I would use whatever is recommended on the bag, which is probably, well, it's hard to say what it's going to say, unless you happen to know. It, um, it's you know, recommended a about a, uh, it's putting down about a pound of nitrogen per thousand square feet. So I, I think Jim's right. I'd put it down probably maybe half strength with this mm -hmm. first one, this first go around. <clears throat> okay. So um, I have a, a rotary spreader. Mm-hmm. So whatever, uh, like a lot of it, I think, is at around the number three or maybe three and a half. So just. What I do is, is find out what setting is recommended for the full application, okay. right? Mm -hmm. and, and set your fertilizer spreader, but don't fill it up. And then use the little handle and, uh, and open up the slot and see how far open that slot goes. Okay. And then adjust it down so it only goes halfway open. I see. Okay. Um, well, I like Fertilone products, so I'm kind of glad that you recommended that. So on They're excellent. To go. <laughs> yeah, okay. And be, sh and be sure to water it in <clears throat> as soon as you put right. it down. 
Right. I, the bigger <laughs> problem, I think, I had the ground prepared before and some compost rotor tilled in, and mm-hmm. when I step on it, I sink down. Yep. Oh, um, yeah. That's going to happen for a while. Okay. So not to worry about that. I, I've been trying to stay no. off of it, but, I, you know, if I fertilize it, I'm, I'll have to walk on it. Yeah, you can lay you can lay boards down or something like that to walk on, and that'll spread your weight so you won't sink so far. Okay, that's a good idea. Yeah, and that'll at least get you out into the yard so you can... Is it a handheld rotary or a push type? Well, I have both. What do you think? How big is your area? 2,500 square feet. <coughs> All right, that's a good, good yeah. area. You yeah. probably want to use the push type. Forget the boards. Okay. And, and just and, walk out there and do it. And, and don't do it right after you water. <clears throat> uh, how often are you watering now? Oh, my gosh. Like six hours a day. It's um, buffalo grass and blue grandma mixture. So it's taken a long, long time to germinate. Because yeah, because it's been so cold. Is, well, the hull is so hard. Um, they said that it wouldn't crack the hull for at least 27 days, and that was pretty spot on. Um so yeah, I, I don't know that you need, <clears throat> if you have good germination and good grass coming up, and if you can tell you have both species coming up, I don't know if you can tell that. No, I can't. Um, <laughs> and then I would say back off in your watering. Okay. Because six hours seems like a lot. Yeah, well, I, don't, I don't know what you mean. Um, it's, six, it's not six hours. On, I have eight zones, so it's 15 minutes a zone, so it takes oh, okay. two hours, <coughs> you know, morning, noon, and night. Oh, gotcha. Uh-huh. To get around, um, you know, all of the areas that need to be watered. And how does your grass stand look right now? How does my grass? How, how does it look? Is it nice and green or? Um, well, it's so low. I mean, it's so, it's so sparse and short. Um, yeah. It's it's just it. What is coming up looks really healthy, but um, you know, it's not a blanket by any means. Yeah, I, I'm not, not sure I would fertilize yet. What would you think, Keith? That, that's where I was headed in my mind, is to wait until you get closer to mowing height before you fertilize. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Remember, these are both native plants. Yeah. They are used to growing on a prairie where no one has ever fertilized anything. Well, the bison used Except to. for bison. Now, if yeah. you want to go out and get a bison, bring them in. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, that, so, um, I, and I think the instructions that came with the hydro seeding were just general. And I know when mm-hmm. I, when I um, told them that I wanted buffalo grass, they discouraged that. How come? Um, well, um, because it does take so long to yeah. germinate. Yeah, I think the biggest reason. Um, but the rest of my yard is buffalo grass, and I was just trying oh, to fill okay. in some yeah. areas. So. You know, they went along with me because they thought I knew about buffalo grass. Okay. <laughs> well, golly, you wanted to do what the customer asked. That's yeah. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> and you already know that buffalo grass spreads. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> and well, you it can take spreading where I wanted it, so I needed to intervene. Okay. A well, bit. you can take some of those stolons off of your existing buffalo grass lawn and plant them up in bare spots that might appear. Well, right, we used and to. I have been trying to do that, but it just turned out to be a lot more than I could. Okay. You know, you know what we used to do when I was a kid? I, we had a big buffalo grass lawn in, in Kansas, and we'd take a bulb planter, one of those long-handled bulb planters, yes. and just take cores, just take plugs out of the existing lawn and plug them into other places. Okay. 
and then, I've done uh, that too because okay. they grow in the stones. Uh-huh. Where I don't want them, and it's easy to um, you know just pull that up and put it. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think once I get this done, once I get it started, I'll be able to keep up with it in that way. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. they have a lot of bunnies and they do a lot of damage. Yeah, so. they do. <coughs> okay. Well, right. I think I I guess I'll delay the. I'd delay it for a couple of weeks. How how tall do you think the grass should be before I fertilize? I'd like to see a nice solid stand first. Okay. So like a blanket. Yeah. Kind of like a blanket. And that's going to look like a blanket depending how tall you are and what angle you look at it. (laughs) Well, and also how how many pounds per thousand they seeded it at. Do you you happen to know that? Well, I know that he... um, spread the, the grass seed by hand, and he showed me a bag um, There were for 5,000 square foot coverage. Okay. And he was only going to put half of the bag in because I had 2,500 square feet. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. In the end, he decided to put the whole thing on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So I think I'm okay in, yeah. that, you know, in that respect um, because right. I have the empty bag, so I know he did what oh, okay. he said he was going to do. Right. Where where'd the bag come from? Curious. Where, where did you get oh grass seed from? Um, you know, I'm not really sure. I know he it, there's a date of last of 2020 on the bag. Um, you know, I don't know. And I know he recommended a blue grandma buffalo grass yeah. mix. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I bet it which, came from Arkansas Valley. I, yeah, there aren't many people that, that have it. Yeah. All right. Well, good luck with that. All right. Well, thank you very much. Of course. Of course. Yeah, let us know how that turns out. Sure. I will do that. All right. Okay. Thanks. You bet. Okay. Bye-bye. We don't get to talk much about buffalo grass and certainly not blue grandma lawns here on the show. And, and it's uh, interesting because blue grandma is, a, is, another vari- is another grass that has been chosen like for blonde ambition, the variety blonde ambition. That's a blue yes, grandma, that's a blue it? grandma. I yeah. think it's, it's from much further south than we are here. But yeah. <clears throat> and by the way, it's our state grass. Is it really? Yes. Neato. Yeah. It's it's the eyelash grass. It is. It is. It's it's cute. It's very <coughs> cute. All right. Let's see. Where are we at with time? Okay. Let's get back out to the phones. We're going to go talk to Susan in Louisville. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. How are you today? <laughs> uh, just dandy. What's up with you? Well, I just had an observation. You mentioned your cayenantus was just leaning, leafing out. Uh-huh. <clears throat> I have... We have two cayenantes. Of course you do. (laughs) Of course we do. (laughs) One we got a Paulina's and one we got a Timberline. And uh, the one from Timberline has been in the ground for about 12 years. But we have quite several um, Appalachian trees and shrubs. So we have a Hamamelis. We have a Papa. We have a a Yellowwood. And, And a Sassafras. And a Sassafras. And all... The Appalachian trees leaf out late. They, they're all just leafing out, and they, it's always been that way. Okay. Because you talked about your, your, your fringe tree just leafing out, but mm-hmm. ours always leaves out way at the end of May or beginning of June, just, just like the yellowwood, just, it's just starting. Just the, the witch mm-hmm. hazel is just starting, and the pawpaw is really just starting. Uh, it, it should be blooming now. Yeah, it is blooming. Yeah, lots of blooms this year. Yeah, yeah, it's blooming, but the leaves are just coming out. Um, so, but I, I just noticed that it was all the Appalachian trees that are like that in our yard. And I, I, of course, it's not an extensive survey, but 
Interesting. Yeah, some of the yeah. things you mentioned have quite a range on in the in the Appalachians, if you will, mm-hmm. from way south to way north. So exactly. it's hard to you know generalize. But it is hard to generalize. In the Kyanthus, you know, one leaves out way earlier than the other one. Yeah, they're obviously yeah. seed grown because one is way low bushy and one is tall, skinny. So they're really different looking. Um, but but they're all late compared to anything else. And that's what I was thinking too. Is is you know, I, a lot of times I go by the the by Facebook. Mm-hmm. It, it sends you these reminders. You know, two years ago, this is what you posted, mm-hmm. and and it'll it'll show me uh, plants that were in bloom on oh, yeah. that date two years ago or four yeah. years ago or whatever. And I'm thinking, well, they're not even close this year. Yeah, I, I know it's, it's it's funny. It's so different every year, but mm-hmm. but I, I just noticed that kind of general trend. Yeah. That's interesting I, that you put that together. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was going to tell you, Jim, uh, we planted, like, I don't know, 400 white Spanish psyllis. <laughs> oh, yeah? Last uh, fall, and you can't believe our yard looks like an ocean of white. You talked about <laughs> white flowers <laughs> earlier. <laughs> it's an ocean in our yard. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. yeah but it's, it's really kind of neat to plant that many bulbs. And to have that kind of intense show. That it was Hispanica that you planted. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I planted the blue one. Uh huh. Yeah. We we got a couple of rogues in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll bet so. Yeah. The, I'm I'm really impressed with it. I'm going to buy more. Uh, it it blooms really nicely with my columbine. Oh It's yes, a really lovely really, combination. Yeah, it's a beautiful combination. But um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about white. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Okay, well, I just I just wanted to make that observation. Oh, well, I'm glad you. you did. Thank you, Susan. Uh huh. Bye bye. <clears throat> so, people out there, if you're if you're growing Appalachian plants, don't expect anything yet. <laughs> they're they're <laughs> slow coming they're slow. in this year. Uh, speaking of white plants, I have an anemone. Well, I have lots of them. Anemone sylvestris, mm-hmm. the wood anemone. <clears throat> what to me, sylvestris means tree, but maybe that's not right. I'd have to go back and look at the derivation of the Or maybe the term. it's because yeah. it grows under trees. That might be why. That could be. Yeah. But anyway, it's the wood anemone. And it is these beautiful, this gorgeous foliage, this real pretty foliage. It gets up six or eight inches, maybe ten inches tall. And then the flowers come on another eight or ten inches above that, these big white anemone flowers. And it, it moves. It, it travels underground and just naturalizes itself wherever you plant it into these irregular patches. It's not like they're perfectly round groups. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. really like that irregularity <coughs> about them because yeah. it makes it look very natural. And if you're trying to naturalize an area to look like a woodland, you don't want it to be real uniform. No. And man, that they have put on a show this year for weeks now. I just don't remember them blooming for this long in the Cool past. temperatures. It's the cool yeah. temperatures, yeah. I think so, yeah. Yep. So I've been very impressed with it, so I'm going to start moving it around to other places, and I'll probably regret that in <laughs> five, five years or so. <laughs> it'll be like, it'll be like uh, Sweet Woodruff. I put it in the yard, and people see it, and they go, what did you do that for? <laughs> <laughs> I love that plant. Yeah, it, it's a pretty plant, really very, very nice. But I don't plant it anywhere that the dogs are going to be. Because? And because it produces those Velcro <clears throat> seeds. Oh, that's true. And, they, and the dogs run through it, and it just coats them. 
and trying to get those Velcro seeds out of their <clears throat> fur is just a mess. Physically, it's hard to get it out there, and the dogs don't like you doing it either. No, they don't. They don't. So I only plant it in the areas where the dogs can't get to because I have very low-to-the-ground dogs. <laughs> you do. They're <laughs> very low. <clears throat> anyway. That's all that. We any, should take a break. Any, any, any lower, and they'd be crawling in their tummies. All right, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back pretty soon, so don't go away. Right here on Legends 810. Between soft, gentle rain and a monsoon. That's how I compare the effect of a Dram Rain wand on plants to the hard blast of a typical spray nozzle attachment to your garden hose. Water flows through 400 tiny holes in the Dram Rain Wand's soft shower nozzle to bathe and refresh your plants, not damage them or wash away soil. Its handy reach handle has a 60 degree bend and conveniently extends to more distant garden rows and hanging baskets. And there's a fingertip shutoff valve. No wonder professional growers in the greenhouses and nurseries use Dram watering tools. Today, there are imitators, but nothing matches the superior quality of the original invented over 50 years ago. They're simply the best. Dram watering tools are available at Tagawa Gardens, Nick's Gardens, Jared's Garden Center, and Lafayette Florist and Greenhouse. Call into the Fix-It Show with your questions about your home, Saturday morning at 9.30. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix-It Show. Helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix-It Show every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 on Legends. Time for Ask the Bon-Eyed Guy. I've got the answers to what's bugging you. Here's Johnny Online 2. Oh, hey, Bon-Eyed Guy. My head's spinning. Ooh. There are so many products out there that claim they can stop insects from destroying my yard and garden. So how do I find the best one? Yeah, no problem, Johnny. Sounds like you need eight. Eight? Dude, I just want one. Then get eight. It's better than seven. What? Eight brand insect control from Bon-Eyed. It kills over a hundred different insect pests on vegetables, fruits, flowers, shrubs, trees, and ornamentals. Ah, uh, hang on. You said eight kills over a hundred different insects? Sure does. How does it do all that? Eight kills on contact and continues to control and repel insects for up to 30 days. And we're talking those hungry pests you really don't want in your garden, like aphids, white flies, beetles, thrips, and many more. Thanks, Bonite Guy. Guess you could say eight's got their number. Oh, you just did. And you know what else? There's more? Oh, yeah. Eight's water-based, odorless, and non-staining. So if you want one product to stop insects this summer, get eight brand insect control from Bonite. Trusted since 1926. Visit your local hardware store or garden center today. Learn more at Bonide.com. Call into the Fix-It Show with your questions about your home, Saturday morning at 9.30. Specializing in heating and cooling problems, legendary hosts Deborah and Adam bring decades of experience and award-winning expertise to their live, interactive Fix-It Show. Helping your home weather Colorado's unique climate and temperature swings. You have questions, they have answers. Call into the Fix-It Show every Saturday morning from 9.30 to 10.30 on Legends. We are back. Sorry about that. <clears throat> a little bit of a delay there on my part. I'll make up for that when I get home. We're getting used to this. <laughs> well, it is kind of new to us. 
here on Legends 810 there. I got that in there. <clears throat> and right. we have other people who also called up and probably would like to talk with us. Well, why don't we do that? We can start with Jude out in Denver. <clears throat> Good morning, Jude. Good morning. Hey, before I forget, what did you just say that you have planted next to your columbine? That Oh, it's a, uh, it's a fall-planted bulb called Spanish <clears throat> Bluebells. Spanish Bluebell. Yep. And the Latin is Scylla Hispanica. S-C-I-L-L-A. And then the word Hispanica. Thank you. Okay, so I have uh, cleaned out the back of my, the way east side of my property. I had a bunch of volunteer trees there last year, and so they took them all out, and then I had the guy come and take out all the stumps, and so it's still kind of a mess, but I've got part of it leveled out, and I'm putting in some uh, new raised garden beds. Mm -hmm. And so I'm yesterday I put down some weed barrier and stapled that in, and I've got raised garden bed soil that I got like from the big box stores. Okay. It says that on the package, you know. It's, I don't know if it's true what's in there. If it's, should, and I'm going to add compost. Should I mix in some topsoil with that since I don't really have any native soil to put in? That's a good question. I, I, it makes me nervous <coughs> to start mixing things into a prepared potting mix because okay. they're prepared to a very specific recipe to make sure that the porosity is right, the water holding capacity is right, the pH is good, the cation exchange capacity works, all those different things that go into a good soil mix. And when you start adding other things like topsoil and compost and so forth, it can throw those proportions off. Okay. The other thing that makes me nervous about those two, two ingredients you talk about, one is topsoil. I dare you to, to define what topsoil is. <laughs> well, it's whatever it says at the bag it yeah, is. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and the other one that, that I find can be a problem is what's compost? Mm -hmm. What's your compost made of? Yeah. And you're not going to find that on the label. You're not going to find uh, what's, well, I guess topsoil doesn't, I guess you can find it in a bag some places, but most of them, it's just topsoil. That's it. You right. want to know what's in it? Sorry, we don't have that. I'd be willing to bet that your <coughs> planting mix that you bought already has compost in it. Yep, okay. probably. Now, the idea of adding some native topsoil is intriguing to me. I do that myself on a very limited basis, very small amounts, because you don't want the soil to get too heavy and, okay. and compact. But it does add a certain amount of um, uh, micronutrients and that sort of thing to the, to the mix that you have. And it does sort of introduce the flora and fauna that make a healthy soil. Okay. But very limited. I got it. But, and do it from your own, if you can. Uh, it, just from the place, you know, where you've <coughs> dug up all these trees and that sort of thing, just take a few shovels full and mix it in. Okay. That sounds perfect. Uh, okay. So that answered my question. I do have one more. <coughs> Excuse me. Can I plant? Can we plant our tomatoes yet and our peppers? Or yes. Yes. And seeds like squash seeds and things like that. I would say so. Yes. I have. <coughs> okay. Yeah, I have too. This last week, I got all of that stuff in the ground. Okay. Including beans. <coughs> okay. Well, I love your show, and uh, that's great. Well, thank you for calling this morning. Thank you. Okay. Uh -huh. Bye. 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 You bet. Holiday. 
Something was bleeding through there. I don't know what that was. I don't know what, something about a holiday. Yeah. But it's not a holiday here. What is maybe perhaps a holiday is that you can, you can celebrate a number of things today, one of which is World Paperclip Day. Oh, cool. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and this one, I'll let you figure it out. Put a pillow on your refrigerator day. Look it up. <laughs> and perhaps more importantly, on this date in 1949, the Pirates beat St. Louis Cardinals 4-2. to Okay. Speaking of paper clips, did you ever take them and, and unbend them into a square and then <clears throat> make these jumping things out of them? Yeah, I have. I couldn't. I'm not sure I could do that right now, but I probably could figure it out. Yeah. 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 We used to do that in school. Yeah. It yeah. drove our teacher crazy. Oh. <laughs> And these days it would probably amuse you for, what, about five seconds? And it does, yeah. <laughs> and then you get yelled at. <laughs> and, and you ruined a paperclip because you could never get them back, bent back oh, the way no. they were. No, no, no. Uh, you're right there. Okay, uh, let's see. What else is going on? I was just looking through the garden the other day. My baptisia, which is your, also— Your what? Baptisia. I thought we couldn't talk about religious stuff here. <laughs> okay, we'll call it false indigo. Okay. Is that, isn't that the name of it? Yeah, it's a, that's the common a, name one is of false the other indigo. Names, yeah. yeah, fantastic plant if you haven't grown it in your garden. I can't speak <coughs> highly enough of it, and there are so many varieties. I picked up two new colors this year. Oh, they are pretty colors. Nick's. Boy, they're oh pretty my colors. gosh! And this one is one of the ones I got was a was a two tone pink. I'd never seen a nice <coughs> pink before. But uh, these things get boy, mine gets. Over three feet tall. Yeah, it can be got three feet tall. They do yeah. have some dwarf ones, but yeah. Yeah. Yep. Just vigorous, deep-rooted yeah, plants. Yeah. Once they are established and blooming well, boy, they are stunning. They really they are. are. It, takes, it takes two or three years, three years at least, I think. My favorites are the yellowish-orangish ones and the yeah. copper ones. There's one called Solar Flare, which is a uh, yellow-orange bicolor. Oh and there's one called American Goldfinch, which is pure yellow. Pure it is yellow, fantastic. Yeah. So, yeah, look Speaking for those in the garden of center. Goldfinch, uh, <clears throat> in a garden center the other day, and I saw for the first time in person that I could go up and feel and touch and smell is Canary Wings Begonia. Oh, yeah. That's the, <clears throat> the yellow form of the dragon wing. It is yellow leaves. I mean, it's, they're canary yellow. Yeah, they are. Don't put that in full sun. No, they look sick to me. Yeah. <laughs> they look like they need f to be fed. <laughs> well, they, they need something to, around them Yeah, that shows them off. I, I'm just not a big fan of chartreuse-colored leaves. Some of them I do. Like I, I, use that, yeah. I, I use that sweet potato vine and some of the Lismachia, the Creeping mm -hmm. Jenny, yeah, and yeah. a few things like that <clears throat> as highlight plants here and there. But they have a whole basket of something or a whole shrub of something like that. I, I've not been yeah. fond of using that that color very much right next to this was a, a well-grown tubers begonia in full bloom Ooh, you and don't I see that very I, often no here. you don't not anymore used to but not anymore and i just had to stand there and and just stare at it yeah bet. it reminded me of my granddad who used to grow them every year he mm -hmm. was succeeded very well with them you have to have good uh, water. Yeah, good water. You got to know how to store the, the tubers and et cetera. And boy, it just reminded me. Of, mm. That's that's uh, that's a sixty-five-year-old memory <laughs> <laughs> coming in here. <laughs> oh dear. 
Well, we've got back practically full lines, and we're getting toward the end of the hour, so we let's do. get busy here. Let's see who's going to be <clears throat> up first. That's going to be Bob out in Littleton. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. How are you? Good. What's going on with you today? Uh, I had a question about uh, pole beans, actually. Uh, do you soak your beans before you plant them? Or? I do not. Yeah, I don't. You can if you want. You might, you might gain a day or two, but that's about it. Yeah, because I went on Google, and some of them said don't ever do it. Some <laughs> said do it for 12 hours. Uh, you can so, overdo it. You can soak yeah. them too long. Yeah. yeah, you can. Right. Okay, and I had a question about scarification mm-hmm. on seeds. Uh, do you, If you um, scrape the, the outer coating off, yes. should you soak them or not soak them? Uh, same thing applies. You can if you want to. What kind of okay. seeds are we talking about? Uh, morning glories, cardinal climber. Um, you can nasturtium. do morning glories. I've never, I've never done it with morning glories. I just plant them and they come up. Yeah. I, I don't well, think, and I was in the garden center. They had a full range of morning glory varieties, and I can almost guarantee you they didn't scarify any of them. Yeah. It's yeah. too much trouble. And what yeah. was the other one you mentioned? It's a pain. Cardinal uh, climber. Nasturtium, cardinal climber. Yeah, I've. I don't have enough experience with that. I think I've only tried that once or twice. Nasturtium, you do not need to scarify. No, I don't think so. And, and nasturtium, I don't? No. Huh? If you want to okay. soak it for 24 hours uh, and see if it swells. If it swells, you don't need to scarify. Okay. And I had uh, another question real quick. Uh, what is the, the fastest growing evergreen for a screen, like, on the, uh, to screen the neighbor's? Fastest growing evergreen. I would probably yeah. look at a juniper. Yeah, probably. And the one that comes to mind, I like the bat. There are two of them. One of them is called Blue Point, and the other is called Spartan. Spartan. Yeah, Spartan's been around a long time. How long? T- how tall do you want them to get? Um, eight, ten feet. Then look at one called Medora. M e d o r a. And that's a juniper? That's a yeah. juniper also. It's a little shorter growing. The two, first two I mentioned are going to get in the 15 to 20 foot range if you let them. Okay. Okay. So you, why, are, why do you consider arborvitae bad? I just don't not? think they're great for this climate. There very few of them I've seen do well here. They're not healthy when they grow here? It depends on your situation. And mm-hmm. I... Uh, Boy, as much as I've watched them over the years, I still can't recommend where and how and what kind of soil they should have and watering. Right. It's really weird because yeah. I travel around, too, and I'll see a big arborvitae, I mean, the size of a school bus, where it should not be growing. <laughs> where it shouldn't be growing, yeah. And that's what throws me every time. It's yeah. like, well, there, once again, I can't re- make a recommendation on this. It's like, how did they do that? So I would, my advice would be to go out and buy a cheap one. <clears throat> and take yeah. very good care of it and hope that this is the one that does well. Yeah. So it's touch and go on those. Water is a big issue with those guys. Yeah, yeah. They're not a low water tree at all. And and yeah. especially in the winter. Especially the first the few years while they're getting established for sure. And, you know, I used to say they don't like the hot afternoon sun, but then I drive around yeah, town I and I see them out in full sun, they <clears throat> get all day long. So I know. it just... I, it, it baffles me sometimes on those arborvitaes. But junipers grow just as fast? Yeah, junipers are, are, some of the varieties are native to Colorado. Yeah, yeah. 
and they grow just as fast, if not faster, than arborvitae. Okay, great. I like the way arborvitae smells. I do too. Foliage. And it's soft. And soft. It's not and prickly soft. like juniper. <clears throat> yeah. Okay, well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. You All bet. Right. Thanks for calling. All right, take care, guys. I've wondered if the arborvitaes are coming from different sources, and I don't know how big of a of a native area that they grow over mm-hmm. so that I could say, yeah, there's, you know, if you get one from the south or one from a dry area, one from, I don't know anything about that. I probably should look into it and see, and it wouldn't help me anyway because you can't tell that when you buy it in the nursery anyhow where it well, came from. And when I, when I see them around town, they're usually big, old, established ones, and I'm wondering, are those varieties just not offered in the trade anymore? Yeah, what is that variety? Yeah. I don't know. I have no Nobody idea. Nobody knows. No. So there you go. So we're at the end of the show today. I'm sorry, Pat and Denise. Uh, make sure that you write down your questions and uh, call in first thing Saturday morning. Don't wait till the end of the hour. Yeah, next Saturday. We're going to be on uh, tomorrow evening, too, from t- 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 6 to 9. There we go. Is that right? 6 to 6, 7? 6 to 8. 8 to 9. 6 to 8. I got 9. I, one day I'm going to get this right. 6 to 8. All right. Yeah, that, every that Sunday better. evening the Jeez. show rebroadcasts on both uh, AM 810 and FM 95.3. All right, like Keith says, uh, save your questions up. Write them down and put them right next to your phone so that next week you can give us a call right away. Don't wait. We're here. So in the meantime, thank you, everybody, for listening and for participating in the show. Uh, Remember, as always, keep that shovel sharp and be careful where you dibble. We'll be back next week at the same time, same bat station right here on 810 Legends. The preceding program is sponsored by JK Communications.